the lantern higher, moving toward the cave-in. Two men, now moaning and whimpering in pain, had been carrying out full hods of coal when the ceiling had collapsed. They were partially buried in the pile of rocks and dirt that blocked the front of the tunnel, and three other men pulled at rocks near them. Leave that, David told the men. Get the rocks off those two there and pull them back with the others. You look after him, one of the men replied. I'm getting my ass out of here and everyone else can go to... His voice faded into a yelp of surprise and pain as David seized his shirt and flung him back from the debris. Get the rocks off those two, David repeated quietly, and take them over to the others. The man grumbled resentfully, climbing to his feet, then joined the other two in moving the debris off the buried men. The dust started to settle, but David still saw very little in the weak light from his lantern. Then the man who had gone to the other end of the tunnel stepped up beside him with a lantern and a pick. David lit the wick in the lantern with his, then held up both of them. In the brighter light, he saw the situation was perilous. The crossbeams supporting the ceiling were cracked and sagging, the ceiling itself bulging downward. The stones blocking the tunnel were too large to move, and the rest of the ceiling would collapse if they were. David looked at the smaller stones near the ceiling on one side of the pile, then extinguished a lantern. He climbed up on the debris with the pick and began cautiously moving the stones. The other man followed him, holding the lantern and pushing rocks on down the pile as David pried them loose. "'I heard you tell Boggs that the shoring here wasn't safe,' the man muttered. "'If he'd had to keep his arse in here with ours, he might have listened to you.' Making no reply to the reference to Cyrus Boggs, the superintendent of the mine, David levered another stone free. An emancipist, a former convict who had served his time, Boggs was a gruff, stubborn man who was slow to grasp that conditions here were different from the mines he had worked in England. When Boggs had shrugged off the warning, David had dismissed the subject himself. Having nothing to look forward to but endless misery, David merely did what was necessary from day to day, with little concern about when or how it would end. Pushing rocks and dirt toward the man behind him, David lay on his stomach and dug a narrow passage into the debris, just under the ceiling. The air became thin as the minutes passed, and the dust that he raised in the confined space compounded his difficulty in breathing. The man behind him began panting heavily, his lungs laboring for air. At first, it appeared that the path was blocked when David came to two larger stones wedged under the end of a crossbeam. He prized at one of them, levering on one side of it and then on the other with the pick. It finally pulled loose as the thick timber settled an inch, and the exertion of pushing the stone to the man behind him almost exhausted David. The light from the lantern was dimmer, its flame tiny in the thin air as David worked at the second stone. The man behind him, having moved the first stone, collapsed and gasped hoarsely. The other convicts, alarmed, complained that they were smothering. Some of them stirred and then sat back down, the effort to move too overwhelming. Loosening the stone was almost too much for David, and his lungs burned as he panted breathlessly. His own life purposeless, he was willing to accept fate, but he had an ingrained sense of responsibility toward the other men. Despite his low regard for most of the convicts, he had to do whatever he could to save them. The stone shifted as the heavy crossbeam groaned and sagged another inch, but it held. 
Summoning his strength, David pulled the rock and pushed it to the man at his back. The convict pulled at it feebly while David slid under the crossbeam and moved loose debris out of the way. Then he stopped, listening closely. Over the ringing in his ears and his ragged breathing, he heard tools clanging against the rocks on the other side of the debris. Convicts from other parts of the mine were working hurriedly to clear a path through the rocks and dirt, but they were at the center of the cave-in. David wrapped the point of his pick against a rock in front of him, stopped to listen, then hammered the rock again. When he paused once more, there was silence on the other side. He struck the rock harder, and a moment later, he heard digging noises straight in front of him. Dropping the pick, he waited as numbness stole over him. From what seemed to be a long distance, David heard voices as the scraping of tools and the rumbling of rocks being moved grew louder. At last, the rock in front of him shifted. Fresh air.